we've turned exercise, what truly is an elixir of life, into a bitter pill that people need to take. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, behaviour scientist Michelle Sager talks unearthing motivations, reframing fitness as a fun mood enhancer, and why we should treat exercise more like sex, with Network's Oliver Kitchingman. Michelle, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Great to be here. Michelle, in your book, No Sweat, How the Simple Science of Motivation Can Bring You a Lifetime of Fitness, you make the point that despite over 30 years of marketing and promoting exercise to the general population, the majority is still not regularly physically active. So what are we doing wrong and what can we change? Well, you know, when we think about doing something wrong, we often think we can't slap ourselves on the hand and go, bad us, we're doing it wrong. But actually, I want to make sure that everyone knows that it's it's not our fault that we're doing it wrong. It's we our, our whole industry has evolved in a paradigm that really has set us all up to fail. And it's just the way it has happened. But now that we understand this, we can turn things around. So what we've been doing wrong is we've basically... We've turned exercise, what truly is an elixir of life, into a bitter pill that people need to take or a painful body sculpting tool. And in general, if we're talking about getting people to come into the gym or to exercise during their leisure time, when it comes down to it, what percentage of people are actually going to stick with something that tastes bad and hurts? And that's basically what we've turned exercise into. Okay, so... Despite our history of being physically active as a species in the days when we had to hunt and gather and we had to be, move all the time, are people in the 21st century inherently adverse to exercise now that, as you say, the, it's been kind of reframed in our minds as this negative, bitter thing? Yeah, I, I well, it's, it's not just a psychological pro- issue, which I would put that in. It's both. So first, let me speak to the, the broader environmental context. I mean, the reality is, is that the modern way our society is set up makes it inconvenient for us to move our bodies. So that's part of the problem, which means if it's actually not a natural part of our life like it used to be, you know, in the cave people days, we have to want to do it during the leisure time that we have. And so if physical activity or exercise is something that we are adverse to, and we have a little bit of leisure time to do something that is actually going to make us feel better and renew ourselves, the vast majority of the people are not going to pick exercise and physical activity. So that, in, in essence, is the, nut- is the, is the, is the problem, is the, that we have branded, inadvertently branded exercise in a way that uh, actually is a turnoff to people. And we're not going to get repeat customers in physical activity exercise per se, as well as our clubs because of that. So what do we do? Well, you know, the cause of the solution is pretty simple. 
uh, the cause of the problem is simple, and it's our education or socialization to exercise and what it means to the general population. And fortunately, the solution can be just as simple. And, And that is that we need to reframe exercise and physical movement away from a medicalized perspective, away from a tool to lose weight, to a vehicle for vigor, you know, a, a, a way to happiness. Because the research shows, fortunately for us, it's a, it's a fortunate coincidence that physical activity, which is this health-promoting behavior, that, you know, it also is a mood-boosting, energizing activity. And so given that we can, with integrity, tell people this is a way to best yourself, to, to feel your best self, to be your best self. That compelling message, which is, by the way, what all the other marketers do for the products and services, we have data that show that physical activity does that. So the way, the way we solve this is by giving people a new meaning for exercise, and then we have to help them on this new path. That's the role the fitness industry can play is, is the fitness industry can change itself in ways that can become an ally to the 80% and help them understand how physical activity and becoming more active both inside and out of the gyms can help them achieve these you know, feelings and, and even success in life. Okay, so is, this, is it a case of club owners, managers, personal trainers, exercise instructors – changing their language, changing the, the words that are in their gyms, changing the, the, the language that they use to, to move away from the making you, you, yourself feel healthy to making yourself feel better. It, that's, that's what we need to be doing? That is part of the solution. And it's an important part of the solution. The language, for sure, language creates the frame, creates meaning. So our language, every single word actually influences. So we've got to be very intentional mm-hmm. about the words and we need to look to other marketers to see how they're doing and say, why haven't we been doing this? And we even have data that show this and they're just talking, you know, out of wherever. So the language is important, but the other part of the equation comes from a, a burgeoning new body of affective science, which shows that how people feel during physical activity, during is seems to be more influential than any other point, even immediately afterwards in terms of their intentions to do it and whether they do it. So if we really want to influence people continuing to be active and come in, we want to make sure that while they are active, it doesn't hurt. Now, I want to say in the United States, this maybe it was global called Baskin and Robbins, and it had 31 ice cream flavors. And there's 31 ice cream flavors because people like different things. While there are, of course, some people who love to kill themselves when they exercise, there are those people, but they are the minority of the population. So we don't want to alienate those people. And the broad message is that it should feel good when you do it applies to everyone anyway. So what we want to do is we want to also give people permission not to move in ways at a a certain heart rate, you know, because that is a prescription and people feel controlled by prescriptions. So we want to give them permission to move in ways that feel good, if not, are just palatable. So what would that look like? 
on a one-to-one basis on a, with a, a between a trainer, for example, and the client. Sure. So I'm in the. I'm actually writing an article about this to accompany the 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 article I wrote about using motivation science and app and track fitness tracking apps. And the way you do it is you find out what experiences people have had that they don't like and what and what they have had when they do feel good from it and because I've been coaching people in these issues for over, you know, 20 years, I found some people don't know the answer. Gee, what feels good? People go, well, it's never felt good. I don't know. And so that's part of the solution is you've got to ask people those questions and you have to say, well, as a kid, do you remember anything being fun? Oh, yes. As a kid, I love to ride my bike. And then the person has a light bulb go off or someone says, it, you know, it, so my mother, my book, No Sweat, is actually based on a program I did in the 90s, starting out in the 90s. And people would come and we'd go through the process. And my mother actually took my class and she said, you know, Michelle, I don't, I don't feel good when I walk. And I said, you know, well, what other positive feelings can, do you have? What thoughts? She said, well, I'm proud of myself that I'm taking care of myself. I said, well, then focus on that. Use that positivity because she said she, she just didn't notice that she felt better. Um, and some people are very disconnected from their bodies. And it, it, we've been taught in society to be connected, disconnected from our bodies. Think about it. Exercise. It doesn't matter what it feels like. Just do it this way. And then don't eat that. It doesn't matter. We've taught people to disconnect from their bodies. Think about how people would feel about sex if they had to do it in ways that people said, do it in this position. Do it this hard. I mean, you know, I would anticipate that a little bit of the pleasure would get sucked out of the sexual experience. So it's the same with physical activity. So we want to give people permission, and then we give people permission who don't have positive experiences to experiment and do a little bit at a time. And so there we have to reframe and give them the permission to be in what I call kindergarten so that they can just finger paint with physical activity and see what works and what doesn't work. And it's, we're not looking for the final solution. What we're, in, we're in a process of discovery. Okay, so if doing what feels good is the key to success, when we have clients or rather than clients, vast, vast swathes of the population that for whom sitting on the, the couch drinking soda and eating junk food feels good, what, how do we approach that? That I think that might be one of the biggest challenges we have. It, it's challenging for a couple of reasons. One is because people are exhausted. People are truly exhausted more than ever in life because of the constant connection with the mobile, with the technology we have. So on the one hand, you know, there's something to be said that I just want to relax and not have to kill myself during my off hours because I'm just stressed out all the time. I think, I think the, but the reality is, is people don't feel good when they sit on the couch and they do that. They may say that that's going to make them feel better, but truly it's the only alternative. And it's the only alternative because we haven't taught them that movement can be a way for them to re-energize themselves. And the way we have to reach these people is for sure, for sure to help them understand it's not their fault. That's the first thing I always do. As a society, we've learned to approach relaxation and exercise in very specific ways. And we can let them know that actually there's, there, there are easy ways to be active for even short amounts, period of time, three minutes, five minutes. We want to let people know that they don't have to do 30 minutes. They don't have to do 45 minutes and that they can do it 
very slowly. And we want to, what we want to do is we want to help them forge new positive connections through letting them do it just a little bit without the need to sweat and then say, do you feel any different? And, and that this is where tracking apps can actually be very helpful. We can help people identify new relationships with physical activity that they didn't know. Once we can shrink what we're asking, shrink the ask so that we can re-engage and get the sedentary who've been turned off and alienated, rightfully so, curious about how movement is actually a better alternative than laying on the couch and eating a bag of chips. Okay, so it's a real combination of the science, the emotion, and yeah, a whole swathe of factors. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Okay, so I guess what you're lean, leaning towards there is the self-determination theory, which is something that you talk about, the power of autonomy, trumping control. So you're giving them permission to, to acknowledge their situation and to, to rediscover what feels good for them. That's exactly right. What, that's the big, I'm trying to think of the perfect word. We've taught people that we know better than they do when it comes to exercise. And that is not true. Not only don't we know better um, than the individual about exercise, if they don't determine for themselves what they're going to do, then they're going to feel controlled by it. And they're going to experience exercise actually as more depleting. The research shows that if we change the frame simply from telling someone it's fun versus it's exercise, the person who's told it's fun will actually experience, they'll finish the walk in a better mood and they'll eat less junk food. So simply changing the frame, in, which inherently gives people autonomy, when you tell people make it fun, you're inherently giving them permission to do what they want to do. Okay. So you talk about the need to shift to a motivation paradigm. Is that very much along those lines? Absolutely, yes. We need to move away from the medical and the weight loss, yep. and we need to move to the motivation and, and consumer behavior paradigm because more than any other type of behavior, you know, people need to feel good from moving. And so that, those paradigms will help us better guide people on their path. Okay. So the, you also talk about emotion, power of emotion. It can sometimes be dismissed. It's a feeling. It's not, it's not a hard fact, but in fact, it is a fact because emotion is more persuasive than facts for a lot of people. And it affects our behavior in a far stronger way. Absolutely. The research shows that in general, emotions drive our daily choices. And what's called anticipated effect, which is the emotion or affect that we are going to anticipate feeling from the choice we make, is a very strong driver. So if we want people to, in, if we want people to choose to move consistently and consider us as their allies, we want to help them have positive experiences during movement that they will then remember so that when they anticipate what effect they're going to feel, it's going to be positive, they're going to choose to move. So it's creating these very they're classical conditions. This is classic old school psychology talking talked about in a new way. We're, we need to help people forge these new positive connections with movement so that they want to do it. And in fact, research suggests that positive associations, positive affect actually motivates us outside of our awareness. So it's a very efficient way to get people motivated. Okay. So if a personal trainer, for example, has got a new client um, and they're trying to uncover their motivations, 
is the key to get the client to to have a much greater role in choosing the the programming, choosing the exercise that they're going to be doing? Yes. You you want to partner with the client to help them identify what and remember, it's very important to frame things as an experiment because you don't then you don't have the bar isn't high and people don't feel like if this doesn't work, I'm lost. No, we're experimenting. What's the first little experiment we're going to try? Oh, okay. You want to try the elliptical for five minutes. You know, you have one in your basement or whatever. You want to work with me. You can do that for five minutes, five days a week. Then you go. How did it go? How did it feel? So, oh, it didn't feel so good. Okay, well, what's a second experiment? What did you like doing as a kid? Oh, you like to swim as a kid. Oh, well, let's try that. So you want to put it in the context as you're trying to learn how to do something. We're trying to help people learn how to institutionalize. That's a, that's a big word. Mm-hmm. Institutionalize consistent physical movement in their purposeful, consistent physical movement into their lives. So given that we need to treat it in the, in, with, with sufficient respect and, and, you know, telling someone come to the gym five days a week and do this for 10 minutes or not 10 minutes, an hour, that is not respecting how much we're actually asking people to change in their life. And once we start to treat it with this, the big role it is, then our, our clients and members will also start to treat it. But we want to make sure we do it in a way that is realistic because that's one of the biggest derailers of sustainability. So part of the problem might be for the fitness industry is a disconnect from uh, from our market. Yes, a, a big disconnect. And, um, you know, I know from talking to big gym owners that the people who come on New Year's and like come five times at the beginning are the ones who drop out. It's the people who come one or two times that's, that tend to stick with the ones because People think that they're doing a better job when they come more, but in fact, they're setting themselves up to fail. So when I was coaching a client, which is using the method that I talk about in No Sweat, she came to our second session really excited. This was phone coaching. And she said, oh, Michelle, I exercised for 45 minutes every day last week. She was so excited, and I was so worried when she told me that. And I said to her, you know, I don't want to burst your bubble, but... That's a red flag for me. What you do in any given week is not going to ensure that you stick with it, which is the goal of my book and my program. I said, what I care about is what what challenges came your way and how did you overcome them or how didn't you overcome and how might you do a better job next time? I want to know how you're I want to know how you're navigating and negotiating physical activity in your daily busy hectic life, not that you were a perfect client last week. Hey, Michelle, thank you very much for talking to the the Fitness Industry Podcast. If listeners want to find out anything more, where should they go? They can go to my website, um, michelleseeker.com. I'm actually in the process of developing a virtual train the trainer so fitness professionals can learn how to use these methods on the floor and with people. So if people are interested in being on that list, they can go to my website, contact me, and let me know to put them on the list to alert them or just to read about my new research. They can sign up for my newsletter, and then when I publish new things, they can hear about it. Fantastic. Michelle, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. For online courses focusing on coaching and behavior change, 
including the course Foundations for Success, Goal Setting for Weight Management. Head to the Network website. Courses are fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, and Network members get massive discounts of up to 40% off. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au forward slash CECs today to grow your skill set and fitness career.